I'm going to go ahead and start out this episode with a little fact check on myself. As you're listening, you will hear me tell an anecdote about an insurer that I worked for that was cyber-fished and ransomed. It was not the insurer. So I went ahead and left it in, even though I said I might have to take it out because it wasn't the insurer who got cyber-fished. It was actually the next employer who I worked with very briefly before I really was fully into this whole podcast writer thing that I'm doing right now. Um, and yeah, if you dug deep enough, you could probably find that company, but I really think I'll be fine. Uh, the insurer is the one that scares me because insurers are really wealthy. Anyway, I'm probably getting myself into more trouble just by saying things like this. The big deal here is my guest is Pat Luther. Uh, and I will be honest, I had so much fun telling this story that I thought I'm probably just going to write sci-fi for the rest of my life. Uh, really got into the details. It gets a little philosophical at times. I think you'll enjoy it. Never anything too heavy. Just, you know, hanging out on the edges of what-if questions that I thought were really tantalizing. So you might notice I hogged the microphone. Sorry, Pat. Um, also, check out this show notes if you listen on Spotify, Apple, or somewhere else and not subscribe to my Substack. If you do subscribe to my Substack, you'll have the email show notes in your inbox where it's much easier to read them and interact with them. But I've given you a primer on sci-fi books that are really accessible if you want to check the genre out and kind of get your feet wet with what it's like. I'm a big fan of character-driven work, so everything that I added there is character-driven, as well as we mentioned a lot of the those in the episode itself. So those are listed as well as Pat's books, his website, his Twitter, everything you could want is right there inside the show notes. Subscribe to my Substack to get the most readable version. Otherwise, check out Spotify, Apple, show notes are there, links are clickable. Have fun and go prosper. Enjoy my conversation with Pat Luther. If you've ever watched an author read in public and felt bored, TRBM is the antidote. TRBM is for writers what time-lapse was for painters, guitar solos and spotlights were for bands, what chainsaws and ice blocks were for sculptors. What does TRBM stand for? Teriyaki ribeye blended with mutton? Traveling robots believe the messiah? Torque results in burnt miracles. You decide. Uh, I on again. I didn't know at the time that I had anything uh, like th that. It was COVID. It should have. It should have sunk in because it, I mean the whole world was in the pandemic at that point. But I was just right. sort of thinking it was run of the mill sickness. And then there was this particular day. I finished with work and I'm sitting down to read a book and I grab a, a Miller Light and I pop the can and I take a taste and I'm like something's wrong with this beer. Very wrong with this beer. It does not taste right. So I'm hmm. like Ash, you know, my wife. I'm like you need to try this and she tries it and she's like it tastes fine to me. And so. Then like I'm kind of sniffing at it and I realize I can't smell anything. So I get oh. up and I walk to the spice cabinet and I grab my thing of cinnamon and I open it up and I just stick my nose in there and it's like <laughs> nothing. nothing. <laughs> I was like, oh, I have COVID. I didn't even have to do a test in that case. Good way to find out, I guess. <laughs> yeah. So that's nice. I didn't I didn't have any drinks for like the next three weeks because nothing tasted good and, and my sense of taste oh. was gone for and my sense of smell was gone for about three weeks. Intermittently it would come back for like a little while and then it would disappear again. Hmm. Yeah. So that was actually unnerving. That was the the scariest part to me. I never suffered with too much physical issues, but uh, yeah. Yeah. It's weird. Yeah. I never lost my sense of smell and taste. 
but I've yeah. heard that's really common. Yeah. Well, that's good. Um, I did. I didn't like it. I'm, I'm really enjoy having smell and taste. So um, I'm going to read the tweet that we're running through and we'll dive into the conversation. You finally go to the hospital because of the pain in your leg, only to learn cancer has spread through your body. You have a 0.002% chance of surviving. The doctor tells you a tech company is looking for volunteers to upload consciousness into their servers. Do you volunteer? All righty. So um, you and I, like everybody who's now on my podcast, connected through Twitter over this question in this case, and I invited you to jump on the show and and tell this story collaboratively with me. Um, one question for you. Have you had an opportunity to listen to any of the story episodes? If not, it's not a big deal, but it helps to I, kind of give you a framework. I did. I listened to the one um, came out last week with the, the woman who had the fentanyl and died and was ah, a ghost. Okay. <laughs> yes. Heather. Heather O'Brien is a, a yeah. friend of mine. I enjoyed I enjoyed that with, with her. Okay. Perfect. So story opens up. Um, you discover you have cancer and the doctors asked you, do you want to upload your consciousness? And 0.002% chance sounds like very close to zero. So I'm going for it. <laughs> that sounds like a fun thing anyways. Yeah, so absolutely. Um, yeah. And it sounds interesting. I mean, just, you know, for the betterment of science. Yeah. So or the betterment of the machines. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got you've got a certain kind of a person who thinks uh, that, that artificial intelligence is frightening um, and not to be trusted and that the computers are going to take over the world. I'm sensing that you are mm. the kind of person who doesn't feel that way. Mm. Well, I'm not sure about artificial intelligence, but that's a little different um, mm. than a or what is it really different? I mean, right. Exactly. Once you've created a consciousness of a person it's just kind of a, a duplicate it's not really the person still um that's a great question yeah so is it the i mean person? It, i don't think it could be because we are so much more than just the the uh where the the neurons firing in the brain yeah because uh, we've got all the different chemical systems within the body and all of the different things that make you you like all mm-hmm. of the input you get um, you know, the way your back hurts, the way your, your heart beats faster. And without any of that, the, uh, the machine wouldn't have that yeah. unless they have some way of, of replicating that kind of thing. Right. But even then it would be random or just a best guess based on, um, you know, what kind of thing they think should happen rather than what actually does happen. Yeah. Yeah, so it's um, an interesting it's an interesting conversation. So, so in my uh, limited readings on philosophy and things of that nature, one of the questions about consciousness, especially, is uh, there are different different levels on the spectrum of consciousness. So there's no question that my cat is conscious uh, and that it's making conscious decisions about certain behaviors. And my cat is a, a higher level of consciousness, whether that's because of domestication or not. Um, he's able to do things that are against his own best nature um, or apparently against his own best nature. And and some of these things become difficult to sift through, but then there's also a, a level of like trees and uh, the fungus and the soil, and they're making conscious decisions to share resources uh, and trade things. And so there's consciousness at all, all kinds of levels, but if you upload consciousness into a computer, to me, that has to come with intelligence 
and it doesn't to me, and this, I mean, this is your story, so I'm going to run with it, but I'm also very fascinated by the sense that if you can actually put consciousness in a computer, then it is intelligent and uh, it's artificial and that we created it. So that would be my definition of artificial. Uh, and it's going to start making decisions for itself based on what it conser- considers to be its own best needs. And it's going to do that within the parameters of the me that was when I had a, a fleshy body, um, a body made of organic substances instead of inorganic put together computer chips and whatnot. And so at that level, I almost see it as a continuation of you. But like I said, it's it's kind of your story. It's just this is a fascinating concept for me. Yeah, I, I think it actually would be a continuation. I mean, um, I mean, I guess really the me that is me is still not not really the me that I was 20 years ago either. Yeah, so exactly. As I change and grow and different types of inputs and I learned how to yeah. handle different inputs differently. Yeah. Like every cell um, in your body is new, but the computer copy of me would still have all of that memory mm-hmm. um, and probably a better access to it than I do now. Um, yeah. If it's, you know, depending on how it's set up. So it would be have, Oh, that now that's an interesting idea too. Cause it would have, perfect memory of all the things that I've probably forgotten even. Yeah. So in that case, it might be more me than I am. Um, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right. Isn't that crazy? That's so true. Okay. So, I mean, and, and this is similar to the conversation you said, you'd listen to the episode with Heather where yeah. we talked and kind of made the baseline for, okay, now you're a ghost. You have to have rules to operate inside of because every story has to have rules. So in this story, the rules of this, uh, uploaded consciousness is that it's more you than you are. Um, that makes for a kind of a psychological thriller in some ways, but carry oh, yeah. on. How does the story develop from this moment? You can, you know, look at the moment when you go into the office to actually be uploaded. Uh, do you die physically at that moment and then just become a computer? What's, what's the whole process as you envision it? Yeah. Oh, that's an interesting part too. Cause okay. So you go in there, I go in there, strap me into the thing, put a little helmet on, you know, yeah. little, little, put up all the electrodes wired up, um, make the copy. But if it's a copy, it creates it in the computer. Do they then, would they have to just put the body down or would there be two of me for a while? Yeah, exactly. And that's an interesting thing. I think it would be more like, you know, there might be two of me for a while. So while I am laying there dying in the chair, cause you know, Mm -hmm. going, doing the whole, hospice in the office thing <laughs> um, <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually I think I would want that, you know, the, the, the fatal overdose of whatever drugs they use to. Yeah. For, for the euthanasia. Um, oh man. I and put an end to it. So then you have the new one. And cause mm-hmm. I think as a new consciousness, I would want as little overlap as possible. Yeah. Cause Otherwise, it would lead to weird identity crisis. Some kind of like, echo is exactly what I was thinking. I was like, for that brief period of time, if there is a time when when you are alive physically and in the, the computer, um, there's a moment where data is is like it's looking at you and you're looking at it and having different experiences. And so that's the moment where if you are a continuation, you're also at conflict with. And so does it want to kill you? Because it uh, is like <laughs> your body right. is, is ruining its experience <laughs> or, or what, what is it exactly? I think I would not want to kill the body. I mean, like if I'm in the computer now, so I'm looking back down at my body. Yeah. I'm assuming they've wired this computer with, you know, microphones, cameras, whatever. Yeah. It, so I mean, I, it's I need something sensory of that input. Yeah. Yeah. You'd, you'd absolutely need 
essentially inputting speakers and a printer or whatever, mm-hmm. hopefully an internet connection. And that's going to get really weird because now yeah. I'm suddenly expanded out and can look anywhere. Yeah. At the speed um, of, it's not even light. It's faster than light. I don't understand the internet. Yeah. <laughs> well, light speed, because it still takes a couple seconds to get around the planet. Yeah, that's true. But, and then where am I, right? Because there's no specific geological location that is now tied to me. Yeah. Um, I'm up in the cloud somewhere, and I probably don't even know which servers I'm on and which parts of me on which servers. Unless those are your body parts, but who knows? Yeah. Right. Yeah. I I mean, if I'm loaded up into one specific computer somewhere, mm-hmm. but I would think I'd want to be cloud-based, you know, and yeah. parts of me are on raid arrays, so there's a bunch of me. Um, you know, I'm all <laughs> segmented out and copied across multiple cloud computers. Yeah. Um, and that's another interesting idea, too. Once you have this copy, you know, because once you have a digital copy of something, it's easy mm-hmm. to make more digital copies. Right. So, so you could be multiple yous. I could be multiple me's. Yeah. <laughs> is, is this uh, is this to you going in like a thriller direction or comedy or how, how do you see it? Because, I mean, some of these things you've mentioned feel like they could fit so many different genres. It could be a thriller or a comedy. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I think I'd want to go more with a thriller with this. And I think that would be a great yeah. little wrinkle is that there is a backup of the backup and it is separate, but also... And it's supposed to be like stored somewhere, mm. but it's not as static as they thought it was. Mm. Yes. You know, if it's, uh, you know, unless it's on read only uh, memory somehow, it's going to be getting more inputs and changing and altering. Mm-hmm. So now that I have a separate one of me somewhere that maybe isn't recognized as the real me. Mm-hmm. So thinking from my own point of view as a, as a separate piece that's not considered real mm-hmm. it's like i would really resent the one that is because it's identical yeah and maybe plot how to take its place yeah and prove um, and prove that you're like a a better version of it anyway or something um yeah so there's there's a definite so you don't want to kill your physical body for that moment uh but you do very much want to delete the copies of you that now are proliferating all around um the, the internet. Right. There's also in in my um, sense right now, other people who have joined this study, maybe maybe it's a really small study, but maybe there's five other people who are all going through this mm-hmm. kind of similar experience. How do you relate to those people? Um, and, and let's start that question with how do you relate to the original copies of the original people? Right. Okay. So let's, let's look back at the original ones. Um, so, I mean, they're probably all of a similar mentality, right? So these are all going to be people who have this kind of futurist idea mm-hmm. because they're, they're not, they're obviously not Luddites or they wouldn't be here. Yeah. Um, so they, they're, they're interested in, in what the future will bring and interested in what kinds of things can be done. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, maybe they're engineers as well, or maybe there's something else. Yeah. Um, so it would, it would be interesting conversing with them and learning about them of course then we could just swap information quickly it wouldn't even be a conversation it could just be an instant data swap yeah so you start to resemble like a hive mind yeah it really would be because we could boy we could take over the world pretty quickly that way (laughs) exactly Um, question is would we want to (laughs) yeah okay so now we got the you know if we're up there and there's also ais who never had in that um I never had so, a body, right? Who never had a body. So they have a completely different background, right? So an AI evolved thing started off as silicon and has always been that way. Um, so 
it would be an interesting I, I could see a fight between world domination between the former organics and the non-former organics oh i love it <laughs> and, like, uh, <laughs> oh man so we're yeah like you know because i got a lot of ideas about how the world could be run better um <laughs> and i would be trying to implement some of these yeah. um and i think anybody who would want to upload themselves to a computer would have some of the, i mean yeah there'd be differences but there would also be a lot of similarities and ideas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think we'd all be a lot of, you know, very rational, material-minded people rather than uh, necessarily yeah. spiritual or religious. Yeah. Here you've um, got two things that I have to interject because both of them are, okay. are like so fascinating to me that we have to like <laughs> add them to the mix. I love this so much. Um, the first one is you were mentioning how most people wouldn't be there if they weren't, if they were Luddites. But in, in my mind, as soon as you said it, it, I think it's just the, uh, the contrarian in me. I was like, we have to have a Luddite there. It would be so fun. Okay. Okay, so for example, I think I mentioned him before. He's going to be on my podcast sometime in the near future. Robert Owen Butler won a Pulitzer Prize. Great writer. Um, he stated to me, and this was when my show was more marketing oriented. He's like, if you want me on your show, know that I'm going to argue with you because I think marketing is a bunch of BS. And I was like, well, that'd be really fun. I'd love to do that with you. So he's, oh, cool. he's the, that version of a Luddite. And I'm thinking to myself, what would make somebody want to come on a marketing podcast who wants to contradict marketing, the same thing that makes a Luddite want to be uploaded, like have their consciousness mm. uploaded. And then I thought, what if Elon Musk or somebody like that was a Luddite? What if they were they were oil tycoons and they built all of their money on like the old version of the world, but then the reality that they needed to continue to exist is like, fine, why, what do I have to lose at this point? I have a 0.002% chance of living. Right. Let's do it. So you have somebody who then now has this realization that they're they're global or universal and uh, like the, oh, the mind expanding of that exactly somebody who's power <laughs> hungry and realizes what they can do they could be like the weakest of the baddest or something um yeah that would I've be definitely one, yeah. yeah oh sorry what was <laughs> no good i just said i lost oh. the other i had two things that i was i was hoping oh. to but that one fascinated me enough and it made me forget the other one so right yeah okay so yeah we've got this luddite up there um so it could be some some billionaire oil tycoon. That's I like that idea. Um, yeah, because that's somebody who's you know they've got this whole empire and they're used to being in charge of it all, um, and now suddenly they're one of the crowd, but they're not going to see themselves that way. You know, <laughs> yeah. if, if there's half a dozen of us, they're going to assume they're the important one. Yeah, um, yeah, and so that would be. See, now you've got this other conflict between me and that person. Yes. Um, as well as between me and the, the real AIs, um, <laughs> we'd probably both be working to recruit them onto our sides. Um, and what would we do with all this? Right. Cause we've got all this power because just mm-hmm. that state of existence, I think would be very powerful. Yeah. Um, you know, being able to have complete recall and instantly learn anything you want to see, mm-hmm. you know, just basically merge with Wikipedia. And yeah. now, now I have all that knowledge. Yeah. Um, and if it's total complete access to it at any time, um, then there's nothing to stop that. So with that kind of knowledge, it would be really easy, I think, to see patterns in, say, stock markets mm. um, and to change patterns in stock markets. Yeah. So to manipulate things like this, um, get organic people to do things for you. Mm-hmm. 
um, with the promise of, you know, wealth, fame, right. Knowledge, whatever. <laughs> yeah. What does become, I was, I was wondering about that as you were mentioning the stock market, because I, I was thinking earlier, you know, you no longer have a need for food in the same sense. I guess that, um, electricity is food, uh, and some kind yeah. of connection to the internet is, is like food. Your needs have drastically changed now. Um, and the things you value, what are those things to you? Do you think other than the, the two I just yeah. mentioned are the things that, that pop to mind for you? Um, yeah, I would still need some kind of sense of community, some kind of com- mm-hmm. uh, communication with people. Mm-hmm. Um, like an in crowd I, and an out crowd almost. Yeah. Um, okay. you know, I'd still want to write and still want to get my books out there and see what <laughs> well, people say about them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you can write at the speed of light now. I mean, um, you just, <laughs> yeah, I could, <laughs> I wouldn't have to keep looking back to see what I'd written to remember, you know, keep things straight. Um, <laughs> But it would be, I, I think it would, that would increase a lot. Um, in fact, it might even spawn off a sub process that does that while another. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I mean, if, you know, you got good multitasking, mm-hmm. you know, you're, you're running, say, say you're only running on one computer. If it's at 16 cores, that means you can still do 16 things at once. Right. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> truly multitask for the first time in your life. Right. <laughs> exactly. And just, uh, do all these things. Um, but yeah, so what else would need? I think that that exchanging stories with people would be a huge important thing for me still. Mm-hmm. Um, so fortunately there are eBooks cause that makes it a lot easier to read it when you're a computer Yeah. Um, for other people's stories, you know, <laughs> the, um, <laughs> as well as talking to people, you know, I'd want to go on podcasts. I want to discuss things with people. Mm-hmm. I'd probably make friends who are organics who I would be talking to them on their computer from time to time. Mm. Um, what is beauty? Uh, I'm curious about this. I love this, by the way. This is uh, so not a story that we're telling right now. We're actually literally oh, just building a world, and I love it real, so much. Because oh, okay, good. <laughs> um, I don't. We might get the story. We might not. But I'm just curious. As soon as you said like that, community reading books. I was like, how, wh- what is beauty to you? How how do you interpret yeah. beauty now? Um, I think it might be a lot the same. Um, because okay. I can still see art, right? Mm-hmm. I could still see things. Um, hopefully, there's. And now it depends what kind of sensory input I have access to, right? Am I hooked up to just one camera or am I on the internet? I like the idea of being on the internet more and being able to look at public webcams of which there are what millions now. Yeah. Yeah. Billions. Um, (laughs) And just kind of like hang out in the Serengeti and look at the sunrise. Wow. Um, You know, whatever I wanted or whatever. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Watch traffic. Yeah. And you have access to like, um, uh, like satellite cameras. So you're able to, yeah, see things in such a oh, different. Oh God! I get a direct feed from James Webb. Yeah, <laughs> see, and then I keep getting in trouble because NASA would have to lock me out from controlling it. Um, <laughs> or else I'd be, oh, I would look at this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, and then are you are you the kind of person who then decides that you're going to be uh, a, a WikiLeak kind of a situation? You're like, I know this information now, and Ooh. y'all are trying to destroy yourselves, and I see it as my responsibility to let you know what's really going on. Oh, oh I goodness. would absolutely do that, and it would probably go so horribly. Um, <laughs> exactly. <I think. laughs> but yes, I mean, when I see, oh, look at this politician who's just lying about all this stuff, and I have the proof right here, and here's here's video oh. of him doing horrible things. Yeah. And the public needs to know that. Um, and so I'd release that out. Wow. And so now I'd, I'd get a whole uh, 
Right. <laughs> so curious. Um, you, I think know a little bit more about these things than I do. I'm no, no Luddite, but I certainly am not the the most tech savvy person in the world. Yeah. What does a firewall look like to you now that you're uploaded? Your consciousness is in there. Do you run into firewalls? Are they uh, a uh, barrier to you or because of your abilities, are you ultimately able to just test out um, all of the keys and passwords and codes and all of that too quickly for them? Yeah, no, I'm thinking um, firewalls would still exist and be there, but unless they're perfect, which I don't know of any that are, it would be Mm -hmm. easy to get around them. Mm -hmm. Um, It would be just because you have access not not so much for doing all of the codes, but Mm -hmm. knowing where all the security flaws are. Mm Because you know, if you could see the source code, Mm-hmm. Um, and then you could analyze that like quickly, um, set one up somewhere and, you know, try a million different things to see how to get around it. Mm-hmm. Um, plus phishing attacks would be really easy because I could just send out email to people and, you know, yeah. <laughs> from anybody. Exactly. Okay. Email everybody in the company and say, Hey, this is the password inspector. Please type your password here. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Some of them uh, are going to do it. <laughs> uh, I worked, I worked at an insurance company that got fished that way. And it was like the, the simplest oh. phishing email in the world. And the lady entered her, her, her password in, and it was like, what was Ooh. she thinking? Yeah, it was bad <laughs> yeah. stuff. Um, the company got held ransom for, for many, many millions of dollars and chose to pay it because oh so much was at, <laughs> at risk. Yeah. So, um, Anyway, I might have to cut that. I think I've mentioned who I worked for. That could be a problem. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) So um, then the other thing I, the the other thing I was thinking about is the idea seems to be true to me that absolute power corrupts. Absolutely. Um, I wonder with that much power are, since you've chosen um, the you as a version almost of yourself, because in a second or like a few a yeah. few minutes ago, you almost stepped right into that and were like, I would want to write and I would want to read. So I'm going with that. Yes. And I'm thinking okay. of you being this person. Um, what part of you do you lose as you gain more power? And have you experienced in your life times where power has corrupted your best interests? Oh, um, I haven't really. And I'm not sure that the whole power corrupts thing is accurate yeah i think it's more like corrupt people are drawn to power Um, interesting okay it's so i think i mean yeah people who people who are not terribly honest um who Hmm. get power and there's probably for everyone who does get power there's a hundred who never gets power so you never know (laughs) but they would if they had it yeah (laughs) um excuse me but yeah the so power corrupts i think um I don't think I would be significantly. I mean, there are things I would do differently if I had more power. Like I said, the, the revealing of these secrets. Yeah. Because I think a lot of secrets should be revealed. Yes. I um, <laughs> there's some kind of, uh, you know, in favor of that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, it can go overboard or it could be done badly or it could be done because I can imagine a way where I learn some secrets and reveal them but not realizing that like the opposing side has worse secrets that I didn't mm. know about. Yeah. So now I have changed the balance of power by revealing these secrets and by eliminating mm-hmm. this one politician and letting somebody horrible, worse take his yeah. place. Oh. Um, I could easily see that happening. And I think I would be prone to being less careful. Yeah. Um, well, I'm a, you know, AI and realize that, I mean, I, I'd have to realize that, the consequences, even if they're not to me, could be severe. So I'd have to step back and think about that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, oh my God. I can just imagine myself running endless simulations and getting completely bogged down in analysis then. 
I exactly. Not I, was, I was right there with you. I was right there with you. I was thinking at what point then do you start to like loop back on yourself because you're afraid to make any choice based on the fact that you have unlimited information, but not access to the future or time. Like there are elements that can, to the best of my knowledge, cannot actually be programmed. Like you can't program future. You can program if then statements or something like that, but like right. actual future, you can't program. Yeah. Cause there's always going to be unexpected variables. Um, yeah. I mean, there has to be in a real world, right? Because there's mm-hmm. too many things, like even the best of our computer simulations is not going to be a complete copy of the entire universe. Right. Um, you know, there's still going to be like a random gamma rule, uh, gamma ray burst that yeah, wipes exactly. out something. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The organic world still has the advantage in that way that uh, yeah, it's fast. Right. Of course, if I could control robots too, then I could have, you know, arms and manipulators and... And that's, I think, the next sense for me. I am curious to see how you think through that process, because to me, if you have consciousness inside of a computer, you now have a way to test what's the most, uh, I was going to say, like, effective. I think the most effective way to build a robot body. I think that you would quickly understand how to repurpose that. And it might, it might actually be more effective than the human shape. There might be a form that is better suited to uh, exploring the world. Oh, yeah, I think we're already getting there in many ways. Um, yeah. I mean, uh, who is it, Boston Dynamics? Who's got the the parkour robots now that, you know, they're just... <laughs> Jumping and, off walls. and <laughs> Yeah, and doing backflips. They're just... Uh, <laughs> yeah. You know, it wasn't that long ago that we had our robot take its first steps as a bipedal mm-hmm. organism, and now they're... Yeah. But, I mean, and you wouldn't even need... Because you could specialize them for things, right? Um mm-hmm. I mean, I think I'd want to be launching interstellar probes um, just just to go out and see the universe, like not even Mm -hmm. not even to to look for places to settle or anything, but just to visit it. Um, And that would be another interesting problem, because now you've got this distance where it's not instantaneous communication. So Mm. how much control do I have over this probe? Do I put a copy of myself in it? So am I out there separate from me again? Right. And, you know, sending back things and maybe I don't want to be that limited. And so now you've got this sentient probe that resents its trajectory. <laughs> I love it. That is crazy. Um, and, you know, being, yeah, copied out with only its own, you know, a couple of cameras and some radiometric and whatever gear. Yeah. Knowing that yeah, it's going to spend have... the majority of its time just floating in interstellar space for millions of years. Mm-hmm. Needs no food has access to so much that you could still have a sense of uh, at least a sense of community. So all of the things that for us exploring space would be so difficult, wouldn't be difficult for that copy of you, but yeah, you would still, you would still evolve away from everything else that you left behind. Um, Have you heard of uh, Lex Friedman before? I've heard the name. Okay. Um, He's, he's big into AI robotics, things like that. He has a podcast that I really enjoy. Um, He's had some really fun guests. This is reminding me of that because he is really a firm believer in kindness uh, and everything that he does. He, he tries to be kind, but he also has a, a, a love for whistleblowing and, and truth and seeking out truth. And so he'll, he'll, just as quickly interview like Donald Trump as he would Barack Obama and try to talk to them. He had uh, Kanye West on his show. It was a phenomenal episode um, not too long ago, actually. And um, if there was a one person in the world who could make Kanye West seem sympathetic a little bit, he did a really good job. He was able to early in the interview uh, bring to light some of the best 
best aspects of Kanye. Um, and then it did devolve a bit toward the end, but it was a heroic effort. It, it made me think, wow. I'm still, I'm really still cool. stuck. Unfortunately, it is. It's a great interview. I'm stuck back when you talked about the idea of power. I think, um, I took it personally because I guess I crave some version of power. And so you and I are, are approaching the story almost from a different perspective because I'm thinking about, I'm thinking about, well, I don't know. I guess I've never been in a situation. I have had some powerful positions in my life. I was employed at a, a company where I was in upper management um, for oversight of a lot of people. And I lost my job because I spoke to my, the managers who were who running our region about a change that was coming that I didn't think was going to be very good for the employees. So I was essentially trying to coach my managers through how to frame the situation so that they didn't lie to the employees, um, but that they helped us with retention and keeping people there. Uh, and I was let go for that because they're like, you never, you never share down. You always, if you have issues with the company, you always share up. And I was like, no, this wasn't so much issues. I was just trying to help them communicate better. But so I guess I've seen a situation when I was in power and made the right choice, but I also feel in me a real desire, a, a, a super competitive desire to win. I have a, a huge drive to win. Yeah. And I wonder about those things in this kind of situation. Does that resonate with you in any way? Those, those conundrums, I guess. Um, kind of. I mean, yeah, I, I, I appreciate that whole, you know, sharing down, you know, trying to protect your yeah. employees. Um, yeah. Um, I don't really have that competitive need to win at things okay. that much. Um, wow. that's not a, that's not a thing I've ever, I don't know, was ever yeah. really in, ingrained. Um, I want to want to accomplish things, mm-hmm. um, which it's kind of like winning. It's just not against other people, I guess. It's more, mm-hmm. you know, PVE versus PVP, I guess. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Or <laughs> in gaming terms. Um, yep. So it's, it's that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, definitely there are, there are things I'd want to accomplish. And the more I'm able to accomplish, the more I would expand what I want to do. Yeah. You know, and what, once I realize, and of course, you know, there's things that I, I have never even thought of that I w- would become clear and become mm-hmm. goals then. Um, you know, once, once I'm in that state, mm-hmm. once you're on this computer. Yeah. So, and boy, I keep going back and forth between whether or not I want to spawn out a hundred copies of myself or a million or none. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> so keep going back to that thing. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, how much would I want to change the world, right? So mm-hmm. I definitely want to do a lot of rooting out of corruption and things, but I wouldn't want to do just that. I'd also want to create things. You know, I'd, I'd want to write, maybe learn to paint or make music. Um Would there be challenge left in it? Do you think is there, I mean, like, do you, so do you incorporate your consciousness into a robot in that case? So that like, (laughs) excuse me, your robot hand can, or whatever mechanisms you have can then paint or how do you create, how do you create painting in a digital world? I think it would just be digital art. I don't think I'd need or have any real desire to make it Hmm. physical. So you're not going to terraform necessarily or go that direction. No. Um, yeah, boy, would I even be interested at all in the physical world? I mean, other than watching it and seeing it, you know, yeah, unfolding, but yeah, but maybe I would find an interest in that, like, you know, mm-hmm. ter- terraforming your bad. Um, you know, maybe I could, I could find a solution to, you know, pollution problem. It's like, you know, mm-hmm. it would be really easy to clean the air up if we just did this and then yeah. I'd have to find a way to convince the organics to do that Yeah, and to go along with it. Um, and hopefully, you know, they don't decide my carbon footprint's too high. 
Yeah. Well, I was um, going to say, and meanwhile, at the same time, you also have your, your good buddy, the oil tycoon there, who's acting on the world. Uh, and right. he's definitely interested in terraforming, I promise. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, he would be. I mean, he's probably not really invested in co- in fossil fuels so much anymore, though. Um yep. Just because that's how he made his money, but now he's got so many other resources and so yeah. many different needs. Yeah, absolutely. But he'd still have that need for power, I think. Yeah. And I think power is a drive. Um, mm-hmm. And to erect monuments. I, I, I don't understand why it is. Um, and I can't speak to the digital world, what what the, the corollary is. I think that Web3 is the... Uh, growth or extension of the need to erect monuments in a digital world. Um, so you're going back to the blockchain. So you can be like, I created that. That's mine. I did that. <laughs> and if oh. you like it, you can have the original for a million dollars. Right. <laughs> you know, so maybe there's some application of, of web three for, for the, the oil tycoon where he creates monuments either digitally or he still just likes being able to, you keep calling him the organics. Maybe he likes to lord over the organics. What a, an amazing thing he can build. And so he, he builds the, the largest skyscraper uh, right. i don't know yeah or a mars colony um yes <laughs> which i mean and that's the thing he and i would probably get along well with um yeah you know maybe he wants to do it so that he could be the one to bring people to mars and i'd want to do it because you know i think a martian colony would be awesome yeah um, and you don't need to breathe air anymore i at least not in any sense that i'm aware of i don't yeah oh god i was thinking of a mars colony for organics for humans well, um, that too yeah but and that's but i mean what how much well, I care about organics after that, right? If I've got mm-hmm. a community of other sentient silicon mm-hmm. cloud forms, whatever we are, yeah, um, you wow. know, AIs and former organics alike, mm-hmm. you know, how how would I feel more kinship with a with a pure silicon AI who has never been organic than I would with people who are currently right. in human form? You're certainly a bridge, um, yeah, and would that be the future of humanity then you know would we think mm-hmm. you know why terraform planets or form colonies when we can just mm-hmm. send out more copies you know we'd mm-hmm. still need something to run all these people on mm-hmm. exactly <laughs> you know? so but we just expand the cloud out into the universe yeah um visiting other worlds and other planets and you know seeking out new life and new civilizations and all that <laughs> yeah exactly <laughs> good old gene roddenberry so yeah. it, it is I, I like this and then i want to so what i want to do is explore the source of energy because that does seem to be the closest to a, a need that you still have from the organic world most yes. of it from my understanding uh i keep saying from my understanding because i'm ultimately swimming way out of my depth in terms of like the actual uh science behind all of these things but Energy, you could, you could harvest almost limitless amounts of energy from the suns or the stars. And so that right. would, from my belief, that would turn, uh, a, your kind of person into, uh, a galaxy explorer, if for no other reason than to set up some kind of energy gathering canopy around stars to pull that in to then fuel you. Uh, right. what, what do you think? What are the other areas that I'm missing that, that would be, beneficial for technology to to harvest the the great demands for energy that they need and then do they become a threat to stars yeah um that that'd be a good question do we come put that aside i think we just make our own um you know gather interstellar hydrogen and fuse it into helium um (laughs) that there'd be no reason to i mean we could capture certainly some of the energy coming off of stars Mm. but it might be almost more efficient just to make our own little little stars um in there um yeah wow. and storing energy between 
star systems, right? When you're traveling mm-hmm. just from here to Alpha Centauri, you're going to have to find a power source that's going to last thousands of years because you're not getting any other power between there. Right. Um, or however long it takes there, you know, 80 years if you do it, uh, do it right. But, <laughs> it's still a long, long journey. Yeah. Well, for, for us anyways, maybe, maybe 80 years when, when you're uploaded like that is um, eight minutes or eight days. Yeah. Or 8 million years. I mean, right. if you, you got a faster clock cycle. Yeah. So, oh, and that's man. the other thing, right? Is you would need a insatiable need for more silicon or more whatever you're running on. Because mm-hmm. you know, even if you're pure software, you need the hardware, and so that yes. would need to be constantly maintained and improved, probably, yes. and expanded. So terraforming, um, you're back, you're right back to terraforming in, in reality, and maybe maybe not like creating civilizations, but you are drilling into the the earth to find silicon or Mars or wherever there's a huge silicon colony. Yeah, or you know, strip mining the asteroid belt. Yes. Um, oh my gosh. And going to other other solar systems to mine their asteroid belts or their entire planets, really. Yeah. Um, Wild. I mean, okay. this yeah, is I insane. Can... This is a lot of fun. This, uh, <laughs> for one, <laughs> you're you're unofficially my consultant. If I ever decide I want to step in and write something like mildly sci-fi, because you're brilliant. Um, <laughs> oh, thanks. <laughs> yeah. So let's let's uh, let's end this by actually telling the most truncated version of the story, which is let's let's set up an outline, and I'm going to let you do all of the heavy lifting unless you oh. want my input. But we did such an amazing thing by by. Uh, world building this whole world and now i wonder you said you want kind of a thriller of a story so i'm curious uh with you as the hero of the story what's your outline how does how does a a, a story oh, wow. of this this world go okay well it would start off just with you know the cancer the upload <clears throat> and to begin with our protagonist is just curious what's going to happen you know has no plans has no ideas um but very quickly discovers he can change things and do things and then discovers that when he sets these things up in motion, maybe. So he's trying to say, let's, let's do the, um, let's say, Hey, I found a way to clean the environment. I need the help of politicians and mm. I've got all their secrets. So rather than revealing their secrets, let's just say I blackmailed them into doing the right thing. <laughs> um, and very quickly find there's opposition there. So even though I've got this politician, it's like, Hey, I can help you with your career. If you do this, mm. um, you know, and implement these clean air acts things. Yeah. And very quickly I've discovered, uh, well, there's other people doing the same thing I'm doing because they've all been uploading got the same idea. One of them is this oil tycoon and his idea isn't so much clean air as it is, you know, monument to himself or, mm-hmm. um, you know, may- maybe he's given up on the earth and wants to terraform other planets. Um, meanwhile, there's some AIs who we're talking to, and they've decided, well, we can expand to the stars, but why bother taking organics with us? Mm, you know, yeah. what, what what do we need them for at this point? Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we we are the future of humanity, not yeah. not these people. Um, maybe to the point where you know they will enslave the organics to build, make things for them. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I and probably some of the other former organic uploads would be fighting against that. Mm-hmm. So you'd have this machinations going on it would be a purely political thriller because it would all be about discovering secrets you know there wouldn't be physical fighting but there'd be other than maybe there would be you know maybe i can find out hey this is where this guy lives in the cloud uh somebody flip that switch and get rid of it (laughs) yes um yeah 
and then oh boy so yeah this is gonna be a hard story to tell though but um <laughs> it is so, a hard story to tell yeah you yeah. have so many you have so many possibilities so many potential roads yeah yeah so you'd have to narrow that down a lot um so we go there yeah look at that so we, we got the fight going on and that, then there's the the thrill aspect is you have the machinations you have plans and you have plans within plans and so i would set up plans um you know let's let's just stick with cleaning the air solving global warming and all that mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know easy stuff um <laughs> exactly it's done in the day <laughs> and this is you know what i'm trying to do find other things against it so i'd have to say i'm looking like i'm doing this so this oil tycoon upload guy goes there to fight against that while really mm-hmm. i'm trying to sneak over to this other side and do this other thing beyond that so mm-hmm. this is more of a misdirection or i'm working on his you know set it up so that when he opposes it that accomplishes what i actually want to accomplish yeah um and trick him to doing that because you know so yeah and, and then that would be actually good good way to do it because i might as well if i can manipulate an intelligence like that you know somebody who really does have that drive to tap to power mm-hmm. and who is that much smarter than me <laughs> yeah it's easier to manipulate somebody smarter than me into doing things than to do it myself, right? Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> they can get what I want done. So there would be that. Um, there would be physical confrontations among agents, mm-hmm. um, among hardware. Um, there'd be physical creation of new servers, uh, a lot of it in secret and a lot of it mm-hmm. in space. It's almost like weapon stockpiling. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In a way it would be. So I have to have all those copies of myself so that when one goes offline, the other one could pop up and, yeah, you know, immediately take its place. Um, That's crazy. Such a crazy thought. I feel but, like too, in, this would be so different than any book I've ever read. I'm sure it's out there because there are just so many millions of books now, but um, right. the main character is actually the character who's uploaded into the cloud. Would you have a side character who is like one of the organics? Cause you were talking about needing them to do certain things for you, flip a switch or something. Supposing yeah. that you have friends from your old life uh, that you enlist to help you and they're, they're you know, of a mind yeah. with what you're trying to accomplish. And, and now you're going to risk their lives to flip a switch to to win a war against uh you know malicious oh intelligence so yeah they can't be the main character though because you've seen things too close to that but you know you could yeah you could you could just uh that's a huge philosophical question well would it be okay to to use somebody who could die and actually die die. yeah and they're and well and that's the other thing is now i'm immortal so Mm -hmm. all these people are about to die basically yeah. Like everybody I know is going to be dying in almost a blink of the eye. Yeah. So it doesn't matter if they go now or 20 years later. Um, <laughs> and how much would I care about that is an interesting question too. I mean, I would yeah. care. I think, I think I would yeah. want to keep these people alive because, you know, I have a dog. I want to keep him alive, even though I know he's not going to forever. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> yeah. But it would be maybe a similar thought. Mm. I, I look at these people like like I do my dog. Um, you know, I cared a lot about him, but mm-hmm. he's not a person. <laughs> yeah. Um I've got a I've got a cat. I've had him for uh 15 years. I call him my pod cat co-host. I haven't oh, mentioned wow. him in a little while, but um yeah, he's great. I have, I've had him longer than I've been married or had kids or anything like that. And he and I are, are buddies. Um and he's like he he cuddles with me every night actually. So uh yeah, there's weird things my wife has said before, like you would run back into the house to save the cat before you get the kids. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't. 
No, I wouldn't. I'd save the cat and the kids at the same time. I can hold, you know, three of them in my arms. Right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, cat doesn't take up that much room. <laughs> <laughs> but you just think Unless about it. Like, a... <laughs> yeah. Um, right. Animals are animals are, are, are really uh, special. It's interesting the way that we we look at them. And we do sort of deprioritize in some ways uh, their their life compared to humans because we can't speak their language or understand their needs or something. Um, and really? I think that's probably the correct response, but it is interesting. It's another moral yeah. question that this is. And it is. And I, and I, you know, exercise more control over my dog than I would over a person. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and it's for his own good, of course, you know, I put a leash on him because I don't want him running into traffic. Exactly. But- you wouldn't put a leash on one of your kids. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> I've thought about it before. <laughs> right. Wow. And I guess there are people who do, but you know, for mm-hmm. toddlers at Disneyland and stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm curious now um about the the kinds of things that you read. What are what are some of your favorite? Do you do you read a lot of fiction or um what's kind of your name? I do. Um I like science fiction a lot. Um yeah. I, I really grew up on, you know, the the old the old masters. So yeah. Like uh, Asimov, um, Asimov, Bradbury, yeah, uh, Ursula K. Le Guin. I love Le Guin. Um, who else? I mean, a whole bunch of them. Arthur C. Clarke, mm-hmm. um, Frank Herbert, uh, Frank Herbert. Yeah, yeah. Read a bunch of Frank Herbert. Uh, Robert Forward is one of my favorites. He's mm-hmm. a was a physicist, um, so he had very a lot of science in his science fiction. Yeah, uh, so, same with Stephen Baxter. Oh, Stephen Baxter. So, I know that name. Yeah. Why do I, I may have read one of his, um, there's another guy who wrote a book. I want to say that was titled. No, no, no. I was about to mention Stephen James's book, Singularity, which is a fine book. Um, oh. uh, but no, who was it who wrote a book about vampires in space? I actually totally ripped it off for one of my Twitter questions. Um, oh. I wish I could remember his name. It's, I think you would really like it. If I find it, I'll send it to you off, off air. Um, cause if you read sci-fi and you really like science, you would, love these it's he does some really cool things where he combines kind of fantasy with sci-fi but in a very pleasing way um that's fun yeah Yeah. and so i imagine you write sci-fi then i do um science fiction and urban fantasy so okay i read a lot of fantasy too and uh and histories i've i've gotten into like Mm -hmm. memoirs biographies and histories yeah which are a lot of fun Ray Monk um, wrote a book called oppenheimer if you haven't read that uh i think you would love it it's a really really good one yeah, maybe. Um, haven't read a lot about Oppenheimer. Um, I mean, of course, I know who he is, but yeah, every, every like, once in a while, I get really into one particular person from history yes. and read a bunch of stuff about him. Me too, <laughs> or yeah. her, or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've I've binged on JFK and Teddy Roosevelt are probably the two that I've read the most about. Um, oh. But yeah, I'll I'll just get into somebody and want to read everything that there is to read about him. The the Ray Monk book is good partly because he writes a bit like a novelist does. And so it's just eminently readable. It's really nice when you read a biography that, that uh, feels so welcoming, but Oppenheimer is interesting. His first love was writing fiction. He thought he was going to be a novelist. Um, Really? Yeah, exactly. Wow. And so (laughs) his whole, his whole life is kind of this clash of his love of art and his love of science. And it made him a really compelling person. I think History should probably rightly judge him as a bit of an a-hole, but, um, huh. you know, I, I like him. I feel sympathetic toward him. Right. Yeah. That's uh, interesting. And then do you have published books? Out. Yeah, you should check it out. I think it's great. Yeah. Uh, do you have books out there um, that people should know about? Um, yeah, I do. I have two published so far. Um, my urban fantasy novel uh, called Yellow Taking Coffee, 
which is set in Portland, Oregon, modern day. Awesome. Uh, which is where I'm from. So ah, I love it there. You know, I, I got it to where I'm, you know, the kid, the city itself is basically a character in the book. Um, yes. And I then that. I have a science fiction novel called thoughtless, um, which has to do with life in the asteroid belt. Um, wow. Like uh, human life, humans have yeah. expanded and colonized mm-hmm. the asteroid belt in some other places and have a main character who's a uh, uh, bioengineered telepath. Who's, that's, that's awesome. That's some fun. <laughs> Yeah, that's really cool. So, and that one, I did a lot of research to get the science right on it, so that mm-hmm. everything is plausible, including the telepathy part. Yeah, which we have, we've had some scary advances uh, recently in that sort of thing. Oh, you'll have uh, to being able to links. read and write human memories. <laughs> oh wow! Okay, um, that's I'm I'm hugely intrigued. It's something I'm very interested oh. in. Um, my my mom has dabbled in some things that that kind of like strike you as uh, extrasensory perception type things um, that fit into that category. And you have proof, like there there are witnesses who have seen her um, do certain things that you're just like, oh, that's you know that's strange. She she became like manic to the point of um, like needing to be hospitalized uh, because she was so concerned for her wife's father uh, because she'd had a dream that he was dying of cancer. And she's like, you just, you need to call him and let him know. And uh, so her wife did eventually call and let him know. And he's like, what do I have to lose? So he went and got checked out. And um, I want to say it was pancreatic cancer, but because they caught it before uh, it had really advanced at all, they were able to uh, put him on treatment and what would normally be a pretty much a fatal cancer. It was kind of cool. Oh, wow. Yeah. So you've written two novels. You've got a, a sci-fi yeah. author. You've got an urban fantasy. Uh, are mm-hmm. you working on, are they going to be series or do you see them as standalone books? Uh, the urban fantasy, I think it's a standalone, although I may write a sequel to it. Um, I keep coming with more up with more ideas for a sequel. So mm-hmm. I've got, you know, a bunch of notes jotted down all over the place, although I haven't really started that. Uh, the sci-fi one is definitely a series. It's the first in the series and I'm working on the first draft of the second one now. Mm. And then awesome. next month I'm doing a Vela um, oh wow! Okay, uh, novelization of a or a villa serialization mm-hmm. of a epic fantasy cool. uh, story. Okay, so and that's you know a little bit kind of lit RPG ish and kind mm-hmm. of it's a very lighthearted kind of a <laughs> yeah thing cheek, but it's fantasy world. Cool. What is your editing process? Yeah. I, Vela scares scares me a lot because. Um, you know, there's there's strictures around how it can be published, and I feel like it would be I would have a hard time with the editing process when I serialized like that. Hmm. You? Um, no, well, I knew that if I tried to keep up with it, I would just cause all sorts of stress as I have a weekly deadline for you know a year. Mm-hmm. Um, so what I did is I wrote the entire novel already. Okay, and you're just releasing um, it in, in bits, and then broke it up into fifty four pieces. Cool. Um, and then it's uh it's in beta reading right now. So awesome. my beta readers are reading it, reading through the whole thing. And when yeah. that's done, then I'm going to just release it as it goes. And I may do some editing every week, mm-hmm. you know, with the new chapters, but probably very little. Yeah. Yeah. I've had the the few times that I've done editing um, in the kind of the publication process, I've actually made it worse for myself. Uh, Cause you'll, you'll make one change that you see and you're like, I just have to change the wording, but you forget like, uh, an article in there or something like that, or I don't know, it's the weird things. Oh. And yeah, they're the worst typos ever. So, well, that's yes. awesome. Um, what a surprise. <laughs> I, this is, this is the best way I ever could have changed the podcast. I don't know if anybody's enjoying listening to it the way that it is right now, but I'm having so much more fun than I was having before telling stories. This feels oh, really awesome. nice. You know, the listeners I like it. It's a very unique format too. I really, I really enjoyed the episodes I listened to. Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I think it'll be fun. So I will send people your way. Do you have a website? Um, I'll obviously send them towards you on Twitter. Um, where else can they meet oh. you when they want to know more and get your books? Um, yeah, they can. I have a website, uh, pluther.us. All right. Um, yeah, patluther.com was taken. So oh, <laughs> I couldn't get it. Jerks. I know. I hate that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but pluther.us is my website. Um, links to all my books are there and various other things. Um, Twitter is the best way to reach me um really i'm on twitter all the time and i have a facebook page uh pat luther the pat luther the writer is my facebook page all right so perfect i'll make sure to link to all of those places in the show notes really appreciate your time today i'm glad you're feeling better um and thank uh, you yeah keep 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 the comments and fun stuff coming and and uh let me know when the vel is out so i can uh join up and read it okay awesome i will do that um and thanks for having me on this is a lot of fun yeah it was thanks pat Cool, thanks. Thank you for listening to TRBM. The theme music was provided by the ever-talented Christopher Talon. And hey, if you liked what you heard, share this show with other readers because what's the point of telling stories if nobody's listening? <laughs>